Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Praise to you, Jesus Christ, who gives us grace without end. All praise to you, Holy Spirit, who brings us together as a fellowship family of faith. All praise to you, Holy Trinity, three in one. Amen. Let us worship God. sins, we have someone who pleads with the Father on our behalf, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. And Christ himself is the means by which our sins are forgiven. So let us confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. 
eternal God, in whom we live and move and have our being, whose face is hidden from us by our sins, and whose mercy we forget in the blindness of our hearts, cleanse us from all our offenses, and deliver us from proud thoughts and vain desires, that with reverent and humble hearts we may draw near to you, confessing our faults, confiding in your grace, and finding in you our refuge and strength, through Jesus Christ, your Son. to the Galatians, which are words to us. We have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but it is Christ who lives in us. And the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself up for us. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Church, uh, the Good News Church in Moscow, will come up for some greetings to extend to us while he is here in the States. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's a big privilege for me to be with you again. And uh, this year is a very important time for us because our partnership um, has 15 history, 15 years history. It's I, don't, I cannot believe in this, but it's a real situation. And this time was very good for my church in Moscow, and I hope it will be, it was a good time for you too, because we worship God together and search together for children, for orphanages, for handicapped people, and different, different, different. And um, it's so nice to be together like uh, one body in Christ, one people, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. 
It's not like just name, but it's a real, because Jesus unites us together. And I bring you uh, war, maybe the heart, uh, 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 love from Russia, from you brothers and sisters from Russia. And um, please uh, pray for us, pray for people in Russia, because many people don't know about Jesus. Some people... Um, has name, I am Christian, but they don't know Jesus. And we need to speak more about this and pray for these people. So, God bless you. It's so nice to be with you again. God bless you. Now invite the children to join Miss Hillary, Mrs. Hillary down front. Hi, y'all. Come on down. Well, let's see if this is working today. Let us pray. 
Almighty God, your word makes wise the simple. So open to us your message today as we hear your word read and preached in Jesus' name. Amen. Invite those who are able to please stand for our first lesson. It comes from John's Gospel. In the second chapter, picking up in verse 13, listen now to the word of God. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. And making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
Once again, those who are able are invited to stand for our second lesson from the Gospel of Matthew in the 22nd chapter. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Version, beginning with verse 34 through verse 40. Listen to God's word. But when the Sadducees heard that he had put, excuse me, when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered themselves together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Two uh, pastoral words as uh, we prepare for the proclamation of God's word. First of all, we extend congregational sympathies to Lib Greer and to the family of Sam Greer. Sam died early this morning, about 4.30 under hospice care at uh, Brookside Glen. And our prayers go out to, to Lib and to Sam's family. We are firming up plans for a celebration of Sam Greer's life and a witness to the resurrection in Jesus Christ on Wednesday afternoon. And as those plans become firm, we will be communicating with you, the church, through email, through our prayer chain, so that you may gather with us as we celebrate uh, Sam's life and gather around Lib and uh, Sam's children and also witness to the resurrection that is ours in Christ Jesus. So our prayers go out uh, to Lib and to the family. The other pastoral word that I would like to say, I, I, want, to, uh, I want to add my personal welcome to our friend and the senior pastor of our sister church, Good News in Moscow. And as Misha has already said, our relationship is now celebrating 15 years as we move into our 16th year together. And uh, this relationship existed before I was called in 2002 as senior pastor here. So I've been able to enjoy now into the 11th year of this relationship. And Misha and I have become very good friends in that I have been able to travel to Good News Church and be with his congregation as he in turn has traveled to be with us in, in our congregation we, uh, we have commented with each other that over this length of time that uh, we both agree we are getting younger, the two of us. Isn't that true, Misha? <laughs> but Misha uh, has had an event in his life, he and his wife, and we are celebrating with them as we have celebrated other uh, milestones in our churches and in the families of our churches, whether they be births or grieving deaths or marriages. Uh, Misha is now a grandfather. And so we celebrate with you and your wife and uh, your son and, and his wife. Um, I know that is a great thing. You are looking younger, though, Granddad. Also, I want to say that uh, this summer we look forward to four or maybe five members of the Good News Church coming to First Presbyterian to gather with us during our week of Vacation Bible School. They're bringing their puppet ministry, and they're going to add a, a real uh, joy and richness to, uh, to that gathering of our children 
And so uh, our prayers for that, uh, that event and our preparations for welcoming members of your church for Vacation Bible School. So having said that, let us, uh, let's prepare to hear God's word proclaimed. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And by the inspiration and, and illumination of your Holy Spirit, may we understand more deeply your word and then with courage live it out in the world today and in the days to come. All for your glory and for Christ's sake. Amen. You have heard of the KISS method, I'm sure. Keep it simple, sweetie. That's what we're going to attempt to do this Lenten season. That's what I want us to do and to continue to do as a church, to keep it simple. I've been reading a book that, that the title is, it says it all, Simple Church. So many times churches, as they grow and become more complex, they become more cluttered, they become more uh, distracted, more diluted and, and less effective in what it is that God has called His people together to do and to be. And, and we need to get back to a simplicity in being the church of Jesus Christ. To be a simple church. I want us to be a simple church. It's been over a year now that our church underwent a strategic planning process that was two years in the making. And coming out of that strategic planning process, we have, we have gained better focus and, and, and more clarity on what our values, our priorities are as First Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Georgia, in this place, in this time, in the kingdom of God. And that is helping us become a more simple church. During the process of our strategic plan, as we were looking at our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, and our threats, we looked at the full gamut of what our church has to offer in terms of learning and service opportunities and ways that people can be engaged at First Presbyterian. And the list that was created had 84 opportunities to be involved in the life of our church. 84. It's rather surprising. It could be said that it's a good thing. People have so many ways to connect to the life of our church, but the comment that resonated with me and that has stuck with me in light of 84 possibilities is the person said, it almost seems as if we are a mile wide and an inch deep. To become a simple church, it means that we may have to not try to be all things to all people. It may mean that some of those 84 things have lost their effectiveness or have distracted us from our priorities as a church and what it is God is calling us to do and be. And so, some of those things may have to go away and already have as we assess what it is we're doing and why. And I would like to see us pare down what it is that we offer as a church and offer fewer things so that as we become more focused, we can go more deep. We can become a deeper and more effective church in what it is that Jesus Christ is calling us to do and to be at this particular point in time. So the influence 
of First Presbyterian Church on the coming of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven will be more powerful and transformative. God is calling us to be a simple church. God is calling us in, in this particular season to engage into what I want us to experience as a simple Lent this season of the Christian year. To stop and assess what it is and who we are in our lives and the busyness and the clutteredness of it and get rid of some of that and focus in on what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to commit ourselves more deeply to study and to prayer in God's Word. You can do that through the devotional that we have supplied for you. If you do not have a devotional practice, please pick one up. And if you who are watching through our television ministry, if you would like for us to send you one of those devotionals, we would be more than happy to do that. You can find us on the web at columbusfpc.org or call us. We'll provide that for you. You'll see also in the bulletin that there are opportunities to become engaged in Lenten study groups. We're studying a book called The Way of Prayer. It's not too late to join one of those. And there are many different locations and many different times throughout the week that might be most convenient for you and your schedule. Take a look at those offerings and consider investing yourself not just into the personal study of God's Word and prayer, but into a smaller, intimate community of letting your lives touch and transform each other as you seek the way of prayer and the way of Jesus Christ. Let's pare down our lives and go more deeply into our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's Brandon Manning, uh, Brennan Manning who wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel that talks about uh, the fact that we can get so heady and so distracted by, by theologians and, and, and exegetes and, and spiritual writers that we lose the, the, the direct essence of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. And Brennan Manning says this, we must never allow the authority of books, institutions, or leaders to replace the authority of knowing Jesus Christ personally and directly. When the religious views of, of others interpose between us and the primary experience of Jesus as the Christ, we become unconvinced, unpersuasive travel agents handing out brochures to places that we have never visited. I don't want that to be me. I don't want it to be us. Those who are unconvincing, unpersuasive travel agents handing out brochures to places that we have never visited. Let us go deep into our relationship with Jesus Christ and with each other in this Lenten season. And let's keep it simple. Use the KISS method, sweetie. And if there was ever anyone who could keep it simple, it was Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus knew how to keep it simple. In our text this, this morning, um, Jesus is, uh, is approached by the Pharisees. He has already been approached by the Sadducees as they tried to manipulate him and, and make him look foolish or, or to discredit him in front of the crowds that had gathered to hear Jesus teach. And so the Sadducees have been dealt with and now it is the time for the Pharisees, the keepers of the law. And they put up their best lawyer to query Jesus. 
And the lawyer asked the question of Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And what this lawyer is asking is not about the greatest of the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. But what the lawyer is asking Jesus in, in all of the Pharisaical law, which one is the greatest? Now, how many laws were in the Pharisaical law? How many laws had the Pharisees taken from the Ten Commandments and compounded and expanded and broadened in their reach of trying to keep the law? They had created 613 laws. Do this, don't do this. 613 laws. How did they come up with 613? Very interesting. Did you know that there are 613 syllables in the Hebrew Decalogue, the Ten Commandments? When the Ten Commandments are read in Hebrew, there are 613 syllables. And so for each syllable, the Pharisees created a law of what you are to not do and what you are to do. And the positive laws, the things, well, I think it's the other way around. The things that you are not supposed to do, there were 248 of those laws. Do not do. And they related to the 248 parts of the human body. So 248 laws corresponding to the parts of the human body do not do these things. One for each part of the body. And then there are 365 days in the calendar year, and these are the laws for those things that you are supposed to do. So 248 plus 365 equals... 613. Jesus, of these 613 laws, please tell us which one is the greatest. And Jesus responds by saying, the greatest commandment is that you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And then Jesus said, and the second commandment is just like it. As a matter of fact, it is connected to it. As a matter of fact, you can't separate the first and the second commandment. They are as if they are one, like unto one another. And Jesus said, the second commandment is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus knew how to keep it simple. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. So how do we love God? How is it that we love God? Well, I would propose that we love God by loving our neighbor. How many of you want to love God? with all of your heart? How many of you want to love God with all of your soul? With all of your strength? With all of your mind? I think that was 100%. How 
How do you do that? It's very simple. Love your neighbor. You may have heard uh, about this story. Just this past week, I was listening to the news, and did you hear about the raid on the meth lab? Or what they thought was the meth lab? It, it happened in Anna, Illinois, and a, and a lady named Laura Benson, she's 49, by the way, and she has a husband and children, but Laura Benson was at home, and the, 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 the drug t team, the, the police officers of that community swarmed her house. She was rather alarmed at what was going on when she saw all of these, these uh, law enforcement people coming and swarming her house. She thought her, her high school son had done something wrong. But that was not it at all. They were coming to investigate the meth lab in her home. Or at least they had been told there was a meth lab in her home. But what the, what the drug officers and the law officials discovered when they got to her house was it was not a meth lab at all. See, what the Benson family was doing and had been doing for five years was they were making maple syrup. But the neighbors had seen these plastic tubes and plastic containers and people kind of going and coming from the house. And so they had reported to the law officials this suspicious activity of a meth lab in their home. Now, Laura Benson was very appreciative that the neighbors had been so alert about criminal activity in the neighborhood. But she brought the drug agents and the law enforcement people into her home and showed them the maple trees right there on her property from which they were collecting the sap. And she walked them through the entire process of how you make maple syrup from scratch and the officers learned something that day but not only did they learn something they went home with their own free sample she gave them maple syrup and before they left she said and here take a few extras and make sure you give them to my neighbors and would you please tell them that they can come over and sample it here at my house anytime and I'll make them pancakes. Love your neighbor. Who, who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? There's a story about Catherine Booth Catherine Booth and her husband are the founders of the Salvation Army. And G. Campbell Morgan, a brilliant biblical scholar and a powerful speaker, knew the Booths personally and Catherine and admired her and said that she, she drew people to Jesus Christ wherever she went. And all humanity would come out to hear Catherine Booth speak. Princesses and peeresses and, and, and paupers and prostitutes would come together. All of humanity. The story that G. Campbell Morgan tells is one night in England, there was a great crowd of publicans and sinners that heard the message that Catherine Booth brought and, sh and many came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And after the meeting, Booth and Morgan 
were entertained in a fine home, and the lady of the manor said, My dear Mrs. Booth, that meeting was dreadful. What do you mean, dearie? Mrs. Booth asked. Oh, when you were speaking, I was looking at the people opposite to me, and their faces were so terrible. So terrible, many of them. And I, I fear with dread that I will not be able to sleep a wink tonight. Why, dearie, don't you know them? Catherine Booth said to her hostess. Certainly not. Well, that's interesting, Mrs. Booth said. I didn't bring them from London. They're your neighbors. Who's our neighbor? First Presbyterian Church, who are our neighbors? Columbus State University, Uptown Campus, Booker T. Washington, Government Housing, Downtown Elementary School, those living in the loft apartments and being drawn to uptown, our businesses nearby. Who are our neighbors? If we want to love God, we must love our neighbor. In Scripture, the letter of 1 John says it this way. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom that one has not seen. And then the letter of James says it this way, that, that, that we are to love in, in word and deed, that love is a verb, it is an action. And the letter of James in the second chapter says, What use is it, my brothers and sisters, if a person says that he has faith and has no works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, of what use is that? Who is our neighbor? And if we are to love God, Jesus says we must love our neighbor. And who is our neighbor? Another lawyer came to Jesus, as it is recorded in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and, and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the law and the commandments. He said, yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly, my sir, my friend. But the attorney would not stop there. He asked another question of Jesus. And who is my neighbor? Jesus then told this story. Once there was a man who was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. You know this story. And as that man traveled down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, he fell among robbers. 
And they beat him, and they robbed him, and they stripped him, and they left him for dead in the ditch. And along came the priest, and seeing the man in the ditch passed by on the other side, and following the priest was the Levite. And the Levite looked at the man in the ditch, and knowing that the priest had already passed him by, he also passed by on the other side. And then Jesus said, Then came along the Samaritan. And the people in the crowd, Boo, hiss. And Jesus said, The Samaritan went to the man and ministered to him and poured oil and wine on his wounds and bound him up and lifted him and placed him on his own beast of burden and carried him to the nearest inn and said to the innkeeper, care for this man, minister to him and bring him to help. And here is my credit card to meet all of his needs. And when I am coming back this way, I will settle up with you all of my accounts. And Jesus said, which of these proved to be neighbor to the man who fell among the robber's hands? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus answered and said, go and do likewise. Love God by loving your neighbor. But there's a piece of this simple command that we often forget. It is love your neighbor as you love yourself. How do you feel about yourself? Some of us may think too highly of ourselves and that we are better than everybody else that we see because of our place, our title, our position, our power. Or some of us may feel more lowly than those around us. How could God use me? How, I am not gifted. I, I am not called. God could certainly never do anything good through my pitiful life. Where are you on that spectrum? Paul says in Romans in the 12th chapter, the 3rd verse, By the mercies of God, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. And so the counter to that is do not think more lowly of yourself than you ought to think. Yeah, I, I play golf occasionally, and, and if you ever want to know the true character of a person, you play golf with them. And those of you who are golfers, you know, because you know how they will conduct themselves, but also you will find out what they think of themselves. Because many times when the bad shot is hit and the ball goes into the water, they will say, oh, you stupid, oh, Chuck, how could you do that? I knew you were going to... And you, I've just been so embarrassed for people to hear what's come out of their, their mouths speaking about their own selves. said, I really, mm, it makes me uncomfortable to think that you think that poorly of yourself. Do not think more lowly of yourself or more highly of yourself than you ought. How many of you are skiers and used to be skiers? Maybe that's more appropriate. Let me just give you this little piece here as we think about ourselves, not too highly or lowly, but when you go to rent your equipment, one of the things that you do is you fill out on the form your level of experience. You better be honest with yourself about your level of experience. 
Because if you say, oh, I'm really not that good and you're actually a pretty good skier, your bindings will be too loose and you make a turn and you'll pop out of your skis and you will take a terrible fall. But by the other token, on the other side, if you say, oh, well, I'm pretty good at skiing and uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm actually quite proficient and you're not, the bindings will be too tight and you will make that turn and they will not pop out and you will break your leg. How do you feel about yourself? Do you love yourself? And that does not mean do you indulge yourself and please yourself and elevate yourself, but how is it that you feel about yourself? Because we are not able to love our neighbor unless we love ourselves, and we're not able to love ourselves unless we love our neighbors. You see how all of this works. Let me leave you with this. With this simple prayer for this week, to fulfill this greatest and simplest command of our Savior, to make this your prayer today and in these days to come, Lord, help me love you by loving others. Help me love you by loving others. And in the process of finding out who our neighbors are, they may be in our home, they may be in our school, they may be in our business, they may be in our church, they may be in our community, they may be in Moscow or Pakistan. When we will discover who our neighbor is and love them, we will find that we in turn are able to love ourselves more and certainly will be able to love God who first loved us. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand and say what it is we believe using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us join together in prayer, offering our praise, thanksgiving, and intercessions to God. Almighty and loving God, we are grateful that you have kept us safe through a week of work, of travel, of learning, and play. We thank you for the blessing of shelter, our homes and offices that shut out the cold, our jackets and sweaters that have kept us warm during these cold last few days. For all these and more, we render thanks to you, O Lord. But we are mindful, too, of the many people in this city and elsewhere whose shelters are inadequate, whose coats are threadbare. We are grateful for the ways you provide for most of us, O Lord, and we pray for your providence in the lives of the needy. As we journey through this time of Lent, help us to discover what it is we need to put down or pick up. 
Open our eyes to see the new life we have in you as we see the hints of new life in the budding trees and the sprouting tulips. When you touch creation, Lord, you leave behind bright traces of glory, and may our lives be so that we reflect that glory. There is so much that is wrong with this world, so much that causes us anxiety, fear, and deep sadness. Yet you remind us that in your hands there is so much that is right. Help us to find hope in a hopeless age, peace in a time of war, and joy in a world full of sorrow. Be with all in our society who exist on the dim margins of our collective consciousness. Provide light for those who so often stumble in the darkness. Grant healing and proper medical care for the chronically sick, for the addicted, for the abused. Help us collectively in church and society to find food for the hungry and clothing for the ill-clad. Give us both the clarity of vision that helps us to see people's needs and the wisdom to meet those needs in meaningful and lasting ways. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd like to welcome those of you who are worshiping with us this morning, either here in the sanctuary, via television, or online. Those in the sanctuary, we invite you to sign the pads located at the end of the aisles and pass those along to those seated next to you. If you are new to this church community here, you heard earlier how we have 84 different ways that you can become involved in the church. We invite you to take part in one of those. Don't try all 84 at once, but we do invite you to take part in one or two of those and find some great people and some great ways to grow in your faith here at First Presbyterian Church. I'd like to highlight a few of the announcements. Um, I do encourage you to be part of the small Lent, the Lenten small groups that we have going on during this time of Lent. The groups meet in various locations and times, and the, the times and locations are listed in your bulletin and on our website. We encourage you to take part in those. There will be an annual meeting, annual congregational meeting on March 3rd, following the 11 o'clock service here in the sanctuary. And following that annual meeting, there will be the Young at Heart Lunch. This is a luncheon provided, um, our, youth, our youth put on this luncheon for those who are 70 years old and their spouses. So we encourage you to take part in that lunch and join us for a light meal following the annual meeting. You can make reservations with Kimberly in the church office. And many uh, in, in Lent uh, often fast in different ways or put, put away different parts of their lives. But also people take up new Lenten spiritual practices. One of those ways is to join these small groups or to take part in devotionals. Another way is to give, and we encourage you to consider giving to the global missions offering that is still going on through Easter. There are many more announcements in your bulletin and on our website. And let us now continue to worship God through the presentation of our tithes and our offerings.
self-compassion. We praise you that you look upon our frail lives with love and understanding, and that you desire for us all new life in Jesus Christ. We are overwhelmed by your love, which goes to the cross for us, endures the grave, and leads us to new life. By your Spirit, strengthen our souls to be brave and bold in Christ's service. Take our offerings and use them and us for your purposes. In the name of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. Amen. brothers and sisters in Christ, go in faith, go in hope, go in love, and keep it simple. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.